In this session, we want to look at uh, some of the two, we want to look at two important roles in marriage. Uh, we want to look at, at the husband leading and that word that women so often hate is the women submitting. And it's going to be our goal, it's going to be our heart that you understand what that means uh, when you leave here. And it, it, it's not a bad word at all. It's actually, it's a very beautiful thing when, when a marriage comes together and, and, and exists the way God intended for it to exist. Uh, it's not, again, as I said before, it's not one's better than the other. They just have different roles in the, in the marriage. And uh, I know sometimes that's a difficult word for women to, to hear, but it's, it's our hope to explain it to you in light of God's plan for your marriage. All right, so if you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, once again, we thank you for this time. And Lord, as we explore your word, as we explore these roles in marriage, would you give us, give us understanding? Lord, may it not just be knowledge that's poured into our head, but may it be a knowledge that's poured into our heart, where we actually realize, you know what, there is a God-given role. I do have a purpose in my marriage. I do have something that I'm striving for, something I'm trying to achieve, and that is what you've called us to do. Mm. May we be the husbands and the wives that you've called us to be. Lord, would you teach us this morning from the word? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 22, 23, and 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This section of scripture is obviously written to the ladies, to the women. And men, I just need to remind us, it's not our job. You don't need to preach this to your wife. You know, this, this is a section of scripture that's from the Lord to her. And it's her responsibility to, to learn it, to study it, to live it. It's not your responsibility. Just like we wouldn't want her playing the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, the words submit wife should never come out of your mouth or in, in, a, in a negative way or anything like that. So I heard, I'm going to put a story in here that's kind of funny. I heard a story one time and it's not in my notes. I hope it's okay. Okay. Um, it was a young couple. I think it was Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today told the story. It was a young couple that had been married about a year and uh, Dennis was in the car with the, uh, with the young man and he said to the, to the young man, he said, hey, how's your marriage going? And he said, well, you know, it's the first year. It's kind of hard. Uh, and he said, well, what, what's wrong? He goes, well, she's really having a hard time submitting. You know, she's really not getting this whole submission thing. And, and Dennis looked at her or looked at him and said, uh, is that in the Bible somewhere? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. And he goes, well, can you show me? And the, and the young guy opened up a Bible and he turned to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And he says, wives, submit to your own husbands. He, like, you should know this. And Dennis says to him, wait a second. He said, are you a wife? And the young man said, no. He goes, then why are you concerned what he's telling the wives to do? It's not your concern. In other words, it's not, for, the, for the guys, it's not, our, we, we, it's not our job to make our wives submit. It's our job for our wives to look and go, I will do this because the Lord has called me to do it, not because I'm, I'm, my husband is making me do it. So women are called to submit to their own husbands. But before we talk about that, and Rebecca's going to talk about that in a little bit, I want to talk about what does that mean to the husbands? What does it mean to the husbands? why are they told to submit to us? What's the purpose? Why would God say that? Why would he establish that? And it's, it's not so that they can be your slave. It's not so they can, you can say, hey, go make me supper. Hey, go get me a drink. Go go. It's not so we can give orders as, not so they can be a servant. That's not the heart behind it. Men, our wives are called to sub submit to us because we are called to submit to Christ. You see, there's an order of hierarchy there. It's, it's not that we're at the top. 
We're not at the top. We're just in the middle of our family and the Lord. It's not, like I, it's not like I'm the ultimate or the supreme authority. Our wives are called to submit, but we're called to submit to, our, to the Lord first. And this is not an area that we want to be uh, confrontational. Or we, we don't want to correct our wives in this. I would encourage the men, before you ever correct your wife in this area of Scripture, you have to ask yourself, am I fully submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ in my life? Because until you can say that I am fully submitted I've really, I, I, 100%, that's when you can bring something about this area of scripture to your wife. Otherwise, it's probably going to lead to an argument. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul made it clear. He said, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And what that tells us is that as men, we do not have supreme authority. We are not the supreme authority in our, in, our, in our family and our life. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're simply the one that's in between the Lord Jesus Christ and our family. We must submit to Christ. And as our wife comes underneath of us in her God-given role, as she comes underneath of us, then she's submitting to Christ also. This means that, this means as a husband, I'm responsible for my family. If that's the order that we're given, that means someday I have to answer for my marriage. I have to answer for my children. I have to answer for my family. I'm, I have to place myself under the authority of Jesus Christ, but here's how it kind of works practically. Let me see if I can kind of give you a little practical. Adam was given a job to do back in the Garden of Eden, remember? He was told to name the animals and to tend, tend the garden. Uh, you and I as men, as husbands, we're given a job to do. We've been given a perfect helper in our wife, the one that's perfectly suitable to come alongside of us to accomplish that job. We have, in a sense, been given this mission that we kind of mentioned briefly in the last session. Your family has a mission from God, and it's the husband's responsibility to carry out that mission. It's his responsibility to be the one leading that mission. We must be the leaders in our family. Isn't that the opposite of what popular culture says? What does popular culture say? We need to be in, women need to be independent. Women need to be on their own. It, popular culture, the TV shows, how do they always depict men? They always show men as, you know, sitting in the easy chair, coming home, drinking beer, some kind of sports fanatic, and I like football too, but it always shows the men as being the goofy one, the stupid one, the lazy one. Where, as a matter of fact, even our design shows, what are we designing? Man caves. How does, how does having a man cave go with joining yourself to your wife? I want to be away from you. I want to be alone. I want to get away. It's my, it's my, my, now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a place to pray, you shouldn't have a place to study, you shouldn't have a place in your home. But if there's a place that I get away from my wife, that's not joining me together at all. That's not a home, that's a, a shed out in the backyard. You know, that, that's not, not going to bring us together. Man caves don't join us and our wife together. It is not what a godly husband does. We don't run off that way. It's the husband's responsibility to go before the Lord in prayer and to study the Bible and to seek the direction for his family. You have a direction that the Lord wants your family to go in. It is so intricate. It's, it's, should I change jobs? Shouldn't I change jobs? Where should I go to church? Should we move and buy another house or should we stay here? Where does the Lord want us to serve in which church? All of those little tiny things that we think we get to make, just because this is what I like, men, you need to go before the Lord. You need to lead your family in these things. You need to, because here's what I want you to know. Here's what I came to learn. It's a lot easier for the wife to say, yes, I'll follow you if she knows the husband is seeking the Lord. If the man is seeking the Lord, then the women don't have a problem going, yeah, let's go. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. The problem usually comes in when as men, it's my idea. It's what I want to do. Come on, woman, let's go. It doesn't usually work out that well. But I want to remind you, this is in no way 
This doesn't mean that your wife doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that she can't share with you her thoughts. As a matter of fact, usually her thoughts are going to be very good. In, in my case, my wife is very informative. The, the things she shares with me are, I need to hear them. I want to hear them. It doesn't mean that I always will follow or choose what she wants to do. It means sometimes I have to take a stand and say, no, this is where I believe the Lord's leading our family, but it has to be coming from the Lord, not coming from me. And that's where sometimes I think as guys, we fall a little bit short where we don't really serve the Lord. We're just kind of serving our own desires and what we want to do. So how do we lead our families? Should we lead as a dictator where what we say goes? Should we lead our families very passively? You know, if mama's happy, everybody's happy. No, neither one of those is right. We shouldn't be dictators. We shouldn't be, you know, sometimes men, and, and I was guilty of this. You know, if, if mama's happy, everybody's happy. Whatever you want, honey, just as long as you're happy and marriage is going good, as long as mama's happy. And that's not the way that, it, that we're supposed to lead. To better understand this concept of leading our families, if she's called to submit to us and we're called to lead, how, how do we understand what it is? How do we do that? How do we effectively lead our families? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, Jesus led the disciples. Jesus is the, is the bridegroom. He's leading the church. So I want to cover a couple of ways, three different ways that Jesus led his disciples. And for, for the men here, these are three different ways that you need to be leading your family, your wives. Number one, he led his disciples in humility. In humility. He stepped out of heaven, set aside the deity came to earth as a man just so he could suffer the way that we suffered even he, he came to earth as one of us it wasn't about his will it was about the father's will it wasn't what he wanted he sought to do the father's will that's the way that men should be seeking to do the will of the lord in our family and our lives not just simply to do and accomplish the things that we've laid out before ourselves we must seek god's will for our family and as men we're responsible to that Someday we're going to have to be responsible. What, what did you do with the helper that I gave you? What did you do with the family that I gave you? I have this mission for you. I want you to accomplish these things. Don't let your daydreams or don't let your dreams derail God's plan for your life. I can tell you that my plans in life never included being a pastor. Never did I for a moment think, I want to go to Cumberland, Maryland and plant a church and we'll do a radio station and we'll do all that. We'll, I have it all figured out. Nothing in my life ever included being a pastor. I was going to climb the ranks, and I was doing well in law enforcement. I was getting all kinds of awards and making big cases. I was, that, was my, that was my plan. I, that was, that's where I was headed on. I, was, I, was, had a, I had a plan laid out, and my direction was clear. But I came to a place in my life where I said, Lord, I don't know if my plan is your plan. Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord changed everything about my life completely. And I can tell you this, where I stand today is so much greater than where I would have stood if I'd, have if I'd have still been doing the same things I was doing before. I wouldn't go back. If, if Rob, could you switch right now with the same guys that you were working with? If you could switch lives, would you do it? No way. What I've seen God do in my life has been absolutely breathtakingly amazing. And I would never go back and say, my plans were, his, his ways are not our ways. His plans are much better than we have. Don't let your dreams derail God's plans for your life. I assure you, his plans are better than your dreams for your life and for your family. So he led in humility, but he also led, and we hear this often, he was a shepherd. Jesus was a shepherd. He, he shepherded the flock. A shepherd spends time with his sheep. A shepherd spends time all day, all night with the sheep. A shepherd does not use harsh words, no demands, doesn't beat the sheep. A shepherd provides for his sheep, takes them where there's water, takes them where there's food, provides the things that the sheep need. But what you find is the shepherd is always with the sheep always with the sheep that time 
You and your wife need to be spending time together. Men, it's your responsibility to make sure that's happening. You need to be the one setting up times. Too often it's the wife going, we need to do this. Men, set up a date night. Set up some time. Set up, find out what your wife likes to do and take her to it. Go do it. Set aside what you would like to do. It's not always going to a football game unless, of course, your wife likes football. But find something that she likes to do and spend some time with her to do that. Step out and take the lead in that. As a, as a, as a shepherd... Shepherds don't use harsh word on their sheep. They don't, they don't talk mean. There's no, there's no anger there. Those things have, although they're, they're part of our culture, so to speak, they really don't have a place in a godly marriage. I really can't accomplish much by getting angry, except separation and division. I can't be joined to my wife if I'm angry or I'm breaking out in anger. or if I'm, Anger's coming out of me because something inside is not right and I need to deal with that. Okay, But those don't join us together. That separates us. If our goal is to be joined together, I need to work about those things that are going to separate us and root them out. But the shepherd also provides for his sheep. A man leading his family well is diligent in providing for his family the things that they need, not necessarily their wants. And I say that it's important because sometimes men, and, and men usually don't have a problem with this because we understand we want to provide, we want to work, and we want to provide the best way that we can for our family. But it's not always providing for the wants of your family, it's providing for the needs of your family. Because sometimes when you cross the line and you begin providing for the wants, you're going to sacrifice other areas like time. You're going to sacrifice those things that, well, I'd like to go spend a weekend with my wife, but I can't because I have to work. I'd like to go do this with my wife, but I'm too busy. I can't go to my kid's soccer game, or I can't go to this because there's no time available for that. So men, we're called to provide for our family's needs, but not necessarily our wants. You have to balance that, and that's going to look different in everybody's life. That's where you have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I out of line here? Have I gone too far in providing for my family? Yes, maybe I provided a lot of money and we're wealthy. That's great. But if I sacrifice something else, is there something else the Lord would rather see me doing with my time and with my efforts? Am I, am I become too focused on one area and I'm not open to what the Lord would really have me do? The third way that we see Jesus lead, and I love this, it's as a servant. It's as a servant. At the Last Supper, Jesus showed us this example. If you think, wait a minute, I thought you just said she was supposed to submit to me. I thought you said, how am I supposed to be a servant to my wife as a husband if she's the one supposed to be submitting to me? Then you don't understand the difference between servanthood and submission. There's a, there's a big difference there. They're not the same thing. Jesus was submitted to God, yet he served his disciples. God's will was still being carried out in his life while he was here on earth. But yet we see him at the very, the, 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 probably the most incredible act of servanthood that he ever did was dying, but we also see him here at the Last Supper washing his disciples' feet. That was, the, that was his way of showing, that was the job for the lowest servant, the least senior. The, the worst job you could have is washing somebody's feet. Can you imagine if you came in here today and you didn't have shoes on because it took you about five-mile walk to get here and your feet are all dirty and someone sat at the front door and said, well, he's the new guy. Go ahead, wash everybody's feet as they come in because we don't want to get our carpets dirty. That's, that's the low job, and Jesus said this in John chapter 13. It says he washed his disciples' feet. Oh, well, before we get there, Peter, remember what Peter said? Peter said to Jesus, as Jesus went to wash his feet, Peter said, no, 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 you're not touching my feet, Lord. You No, 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 you're above that. You're above that, Lord. You can't touch my feet. And Peter, and Peter said that you can't do it, Lord. And Jesus said, look, Peter, if, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And what did Peter say? Wash my whole body. Give me a bath, Lord. Just wash everything. I want, I want part with you. And then in John chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, kind of to explain what he was doing, Jesus said this. He said, if then your Lord and teacher 
that's him, that's Jesus, has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, it's one thing to know them. It's another thing to do them. Blessed are though if you do them. And although we're called to lead our wives, we must also see ourselves as servants to our wives to meet their emotional needs, to meet their physical needs, to meet their spiritual needs. We have to have a heart. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to, and we're going to talk about it later, I'm going to love my wife, but I also have to have a heart. I'm going to serve my wife. I'm going to meet those needs that she has in her life, whatever they are. Because every wife is going to be different. You know, my wife might have different needs than your wife, but I have to be willing to meet whatever those needs are. Now, let me see if I can kind of illustrate this in our own life a little bit. Sometime around 2000, and I guess it was around 2005, I began to sense that the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. I was getting more involved in church. I had been given a few opportunities to speak. I was teaching a men's study. I kind of been I really pushed into some, some, some spiritual things by, by the pastor and by some friends of mine at the church. And I sensed that the Lord was really calling me to be a pastor. And I shared it with a couple guys that I would meet once every Wednesday morning. We'd meet and have breakfast. And I kind of shared it with them and asked them if they'd pray for me and and uh, they confirm this. You know, we, we do. We think the Lord's calling you to be a pastor. We're not sure what or how, but we, we can see that in your life. And we see what you're already doing the work of the pastor. And the Lord began to put Cumberland on my heart during this time. I began to pray for the people of Cumberland. I began to think about the people of Cumberland. I started reading the newspaper online up here. I said everybody that wrote an editorial from 2005 until 2007 got prayed for by me because I was just reading the editorials and I would write. I, would, I was just it was kind of I just started praying for them as much as possible. And as I was kind of realizing, Lord, are you really calling me to go to Cumberland, Maryland? Are you, really, are you really saying this is what you want me to do? In 2006, it was about September, October, somewhere in there, I'd had a lot of small confirmations. This is what the Lord wanted me to do. But in two, and I wasn't a pastor then, by the way. I was still working in law enforcement. I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to go up to Cumberland. And I'm going to, uh, I want to spend some time with God. I want to read the Bible, I want to pray, I want to fast. I really need to figure out, I really need to hear from the Lord, Lord, is this something you want me to do? Is this something you're calling me to do? Or is this just, let's face it, as guys, we have some crazy ideas sometimes. And I've had my share, you know. Is this, is this just some wacky idea that I have in my mind, or is this something that you really, really want me to do? And I told the Lord in my prayer, I said, Lord, I can't move to Cumberland on a feeling. I can't move because on an emotion. I need something out of your word that speaks to me that says, yes, go to Cumberland. So it was 2006. I come up to Cumberland. It's cold. It's rainy. I left sunny South Florida. And uh, I was here four days. I didn't fast the entire time. Majority of the time I did. And I was just praying. And I was hearing nothing from God. You ever, you ever go to the Lord and you hear like, Lord, I need you to speak to me. And you hear nothing. I was reading the Bible. I'd read I don't know how many pages and books and chapters of the Bible, and I'm just, I'm hearing nothing. On the last day that I was up here, back at home, they were, the pastor was teaching through the book of Colossians, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just read Colossians. You know, I'll just read through Colossians and see what, see what they're learning back at home, you know. As I'm reading through Colossians, I came to the very end of Colossians, and it's in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul's closing out his letter to the church at Colossae, and he says this to a man named Archippus. He says, and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. 
Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. At that very moment, I read those words as if, it was as if God himself was in the room and said, Rob, take heed to the ministry which you've received in Cumberland and go fulfill it. It was like he said, it's already planned out. It's already done. All you have to do is be obedient and go walk in it. And I got the answer I was looking for. And I wanted something that I could stand on that when we got here and things weren't going the way that we thought, that I could say, all right, Lord, I know you called me here. So I, and I, at this point, I knew without a doubt, there was no more question in my mind. It was done. It was settled. God wanted me to come to Cumberland. He wanted me to move to Cumberland. And the ministry was already laid out. It was just a matter of me going to walk in it. Well, I remember calling my wife back home and called Rebecca and I told her, listen, the Lord's called us to Cumberland. And, and she was a little skeptical about it. <laughs> she she, 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 she kind of said she wasn't real receptive about packing up the family and moving from South Florida to Cumberland and leaving our family behind. And, uh, you know, she, she made some comments that maybe the Lord's called you to Cumberland, but he hasn't called me to Cumberland. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 so I went back to Florida and I, I, I did what I think is so important. I went and sought godly counsel. I went to my pastor and I, I, I said, listen, I said, I really feel like I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called, and he didn't know, I, my pastor didn't know I was doing all this. He didn't know any of this. I'd never talked to him about it before. And I came back and I said, I really, really think I'm called to be a pastor and I'm supposed to start a church in Cumberland, Maryland. The problem with that is I was a police officer. I wasn't a pastor. I'd never been to seminary. I'd never done any of that kind of stuff. I was completely unprepared, unequipped. I didn't know how to do it. I'd never done any of that stuff before. And uh, he said, well, I guess if you're called to Cumberland, you've got a lot of work to do. And I said, well, where do I start? How do I do this? And, and he began to work through a two-year process with me of studying and going over things in the, in the scriptures, and I learned something during this time. Hmm? Oh, I thought I missed them. During this time, I learned something very valuable. I learned, or the Lord began to show me, to, to this point, my family was being led based on unanimous agreement. In other words, whatever we agreed upon, we did. In other words, if it was time to move, we'd say, well, what do you think? You want to buy a new house? Okay, well, one of us didn't agree, then we didn't do it. Or do you want to buy a new car? Or every decision we made was based on, we'll both agree on it. We'll both agree on that. So if, if we both agree, then the Lord must be calling us, then we're good. But the problem was, I knew that I was called to Cumberland, Maryland, and Rebecca wasn't necessarily in agreement with that. I knew that the calling was sure. I knew the calling was clear. I had begun the preparation. I, I wasn't waiting around for her to agree, but I had begun what God had called me to do. But she, she wasn't necessarily right on board with that right away. And here's what I came to find out, or the, here's what the Lord showed me. A marriage that is led by unanimous agreement isn't really being led by the husband. Not really being led by the husband. It's being led by the one that is dissenting or in disagreement until they change their mind. Because in this case, God had called me to Cumberland, called our family to Cumberland, and I said, honey, do you want to go to Cumberland? And she's like, ah, I don't know yet. So who made the decision to go or not? She would have made the decision by default. If, if we were doing it unanimously, she would have made that decision. And I realized, you know what? My whole marriage has been led that way. Everything. And I, was the, I subscribed to the, if mama's happy, everybody's happy method. If she was good with it, I was laid back. I was pretty easygoing if she was good with it. But the Lord challenged me. He said, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to lead your family. You need to step up and lead your family. And then I became the problem. It's like, what do I do? How do I? I can't make her. I can't go to her and say, submit, woman, we're moving to Cumberland, pack up. That wouldn't have went over real well. I went to talk to my pastor. And his pastor Jim, some of you guys met him at the, at the marriage conference. Men's conference. Men's conference. This is the marriage conference. 
I went to talk to Pastor Jim, and I told him what was going on. I said, you know, she's just not, she's not submitting, Pastor. What do I do? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, she's just not on board with this. And he kind of chuckled. He, he, he kind of has a little laugh that he does, and, and he laughed. And I, I thought, what are you laughing at? This is serious. <laughs> and he said to me, listen, you prepare, and you get ready to go. If God's really called you, God will change your heart. He said, you go do the preparation you need, and you prepare to go, and you wait on the Lord to see what the Lord does. And, uh, I, and God's going to change your heart. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I began praying for the Lord's will. I began preparing to be a pastor, and I began seeking the Lord on this. And I was still stuck in this little dilemma of, I know God called me, but she won't go. What do I do? So as Rob said, I did not in any way feel called to come live here in Cumberland, Maryland. I wanted to stay in Florida. I wanted to stay, to, I wanted to stay near my parents. I told you before that I had always had this uh, idea that I wanted to live in a way that won my parents' approval. Uh, we had a wonderful church family there. We had a lot of friends. And I love the fact that my parents were a big part of my children's lives. And I didn't want to upset that. Not just to bother and upset them. It was going to upset and bother me. It was very different from the way my family had always operated. We always had family close by. And I, I loved that growing up. And I wanted that for my kids. <clears throat> and I had always been taught that if a husband and a wife were called to do something really significant like pack up your home, leave your, you know, good paying job and come up and live on, live by faith in a brand new place where you know nobody, that God was going to call both of them. That's what I had been taught. And I was taught that they would be in agreement. And since that hadn't, had not happened, since God had not called me to Cumberland, I was very resistant to the idea. And to be truth be told, I was afraid. Again, Rob was a police officer. He wasn't a pastor. And although I had seen God work in his life, he had been teaching Bible studies, and people were confirming that, yes, God was using his teaching to impact their life. And he was doing things like a pastor would do, visiting the sick in the hospital and leading people to Christ and all those wonderful things. It didn't translate to as much of a move as in as much what was going on without me feeling that call. But then we went to a marriage conference, and the pastor said, what a man needs most is the support of his wife. He needs to know that she's with him no matter what. And I tell you, if he said it once, he must have said it a hundred times. I just heard it echoing in my, in my, my mind. What a husband needs is the, the support of his wife. What a husband needs is the support of his wife. And this is like a big, tough guy, you know? And I'm like, if that guy... Ken Graves. If you know. that guy needs the support of his wife, you know, and he's like Mr., you know, big and bold and strong and, and whatnot, I'm like, obviously every man needs this. And, and, and God's like, and yes, Rob needs that from you. So at that marriage conference, God showed me I wasn't called to Cumberland. I was called to be Rob's wife, and I was called to support him as he went forth to fulfill the call. So I think it was at the marriage conference, because once God spoke to me, it was, I was sure. I went to him and I told him, I'm not called to Cumberland, but I'm called to be your wife and to support you. If you believe that God is calling our family to Cumberland so that you can plant a church, then I'm behind you. And no matter what happens, I'm with you on this. When she said that, it changed things 
all of a sudden I realized it really was my decision. All of a sudden the decision rested squarely on my shoulders. And it's not an easy decision to make. I had to really determine, is this what God wanted me to do? Did God really want me to pack up my family? It's not like going, hey, where do you want to go eat? Where do you want to go on vacation? Even buying or selling a house. I, I, did, God, do you, are you serious? Do you really want me to quit my job, say goodbye to my nice police pension that's on the way, and pack up and move to Cumberland, Maryland to start a church? Are you serious? It had, this, it had the potential for some very serious repercussions. I mean, I could lose everything. What, what would happen if it didn't work? What, all these things, as a guy, they ran through my mind. Well, what if I can't find work up there? What if, how are you going to provide financially? How is all this going to happen? I had all these unanswered questions. And what it did is it, was, it, it forced me to be closer to the Lord. But it was so encouraging to know when Rebecca came to me and said, I'm with you no matter what. And she actually even said, even if it all doesn't work out or even if it all fails or it doesn't work out the way you think it works out, I'm with you on this. I want you to seek the Lord. I want you to make the decision and I am going with you on this and I'm not worried about how it's all going to work out. It really, really forced me to draw closer to the Lord and into a deeper relationship with him because I had to make that decision. It forced me, Lord, prayer, fasting, Word, Lord, this, I, I can't make this decision. I need help. It really forced me to go deeper into a deeper relationship with him. The words, it caused me to draw closer to the Lord into a deeper relationship with him. Isn't that what women, isn't that what we want from our husbands? Don't we want them to grow spiritually and become the spiritual leader in our family? Do you see how the willingness to come underneath of your husband and that supportive role can really open the door for God to work in your husband's life in that deeper way. It drew, it can draw your husband unto himself when you come into that supportive role that you were designed to fulfill. Forced me back to the Lord. Basically, she forced me to go back to God. And that's how leadership and submission worked in one instance in my marriage. Well, let's take a little bit closer look at Ephesians 5.22 uh, to understand more about this concept of submission. So starting in uh, 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their husbands in everything. So the word submit is a military term. It's used here to establish authority and order in marriage. Notice that it says to your own husbands. This is not a command for women to submit to all men in general. God is not making a statement here about our value as women, but he has created and ordained that men should be the one to lead and for us to come underneath that leadership in a supportive role. I want you to notice that the submission is unto the Lord. So ultimately, we are submitting to the Lord and trusting him. Now you may be asking, if this is God's plan for me as a wife, then why do I find it so hard? Well, in order to understand that, I think it's important for us as wives to go back just quickly to Genesis. So hold your place in Ephesians, women. And guys, you can go there too if you want to. Um, go back to Genesis chapter 3. 
So it's just a little bit ahead of where we were studying before. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 16. Genesis chapter 3, for those of you who know, is um, what we call the fall and the curse. In Genesis 3.16, this is God speaking to the woman. He says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. We're not going to cover that today. This is the part we're going to cover. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. When Adam and Eve sinned by disobeying God's command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the midst of the Garden of Eden, they endured many consequences. One consequence is what we call the curse. Verse 16 is part of that curse, and the second part of the verse shows us as wives why we fight God's perfect plan for our, for our position in marriage. Again, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. This verse is not speaking of a woman's physical or sexual desire for her husband, for that would be a good thing, so it's obviously not a curse. Instead, the verse is showing a contrast between the woman's desire and the husband's rule over her. It speaks of an inherent challenge that wives face in embracing the husband's role as leader of the home and family. Now, you might be thinking, if my husband led like Jesus led, I mean, if he was the servant and the shepherd, if he was humble and led me in humility, well, that would be easy to follow. Now, I know none of you, none of you are married to Jesus, and neither am I. In fact, <laughs> in fact, no woman has ever been married to Jesus, and God knew that. He knew that when he made this command. He knew that we would be married to imperfect sinners like ourselves. But he still gave us the command to submit to our husbands, even though he's not perfect and he won't do it right every time. But let's face it, ladies, we aren't perfect either. Now, you might be asking another question. But what if my husband is not a spiritual man? And what if he's not even saved? And 1 Peter 3, I'm not going to have you turn there, just listen. 1 Peter 3 speaks to this very question. In verse 1, Peter tells us, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So your role as submissive helper does not depend on your husband. It is God's plan for all wives who desire to follow him. Notice that your willingness to submit to your husband can be used by God to bring an unbelieving husband to himself. It can bring an unbelieving husband to faith. Now that's not a promise, but it's a possibility. That as we embrace our role, as we reflect God to our husbands in our conduct, notice it's not by becoming the live-in preacher and telling your husbands all the ways that he needs to, you know, get his life in order. It's by your conduct that you can draw your husband to the Lord. 
So we as women, we need to get past this line of thinking that makes excuses, exemptions, or exceptions for submitting. And instead, we need to open ourselves up to embracing what God is really trying to teach us. So you guys can go back to Ephesians. So does the role of being in submission mean that we're never able to speak up and we should never give our opinion on anything? Of course not. Rob and I regularly discuss decisions to be made, problems he encounters with his business endeavors, difficulties or decisions to be made at church, and in his personal life. We regularly discuss these things. And the truth be told that Rebecca is, is probably my most trusted advisor. I mean, the, the, I want to hear her opinion. I value her opinion. And, and most of the time, I, I end up taking her advice. I mean, most of the time, our, 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 my, my desires and, and her advice, they tend to go right, right along with each other. There's the occasional time where they don't, but, but her opinions, I, I don't want her to be quiet. I want to know those things. I, I value them very highly. The woman who has learned how to be in submission to her husband and is truly behind him will very quickly earn this position in her husband's life as most trusted counselor and confidant. So what submission means practically is after that all the discussions have been made and all the counsel has been exchanged, when all the pros and the cons have been weighed out and a decision needs to be made, I'm able to release to Rob, to, I'm able to release Rob to seek God to make that ultimate decision. And honestly, it's a relief to not have to bear that burden of figuring it out all on my own. I leave it to Rob. I ultimately leave it to God mm -hmm. to work it all out in the end. It is God's good and perfect plan for us as wives to come underneath of our husbands. And remember, his ways are not our ways. We must rely on him to change our way of thinking about submission and show us how to do it and how to fulfill that role. We need his help in doing that. To usurp the authority of your husband is to reject God's good and perfect will for you. It's ultimately rebellion against God himself. And though we as wives may be more comfortable and feel like it's more natural when we take control, this secure feeling, it's simply an illusion. It's an illusion because our greatest place of blessing and safety is when we follow God's will. Remember, ladies, your trust is not in your husband to make the perfect decision every time, but in God to work even poor decisions out for his good out for our good and his glory. Your husband will not do it right every time, but he needs to know that you're behind him no matter what. You need to place your faith ultimately in the Lord. God gave the role of leading to the man, and it is a great responsibility. When we take that responsibility on ourselves, unfortunately, our husbands oftentimes are too willing to give it up. But with that responsibility comes stress and burdens that we as women were never designed, nor were we meant to bear. God wants us to release that responsibility back to, your, to our husbands. Come underneath his covering. And there is safety, blessing, and peace when we follow God's plan for us as wives. 
You know, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch this happen play out in a, in a couple's life. Um, I've watched where the, the women have said, or a woman has said, I'm going to try to do this, and the husband is, is, is fallen in line with this, and he's going to lead, and, uh, and she'll allow him to make a decision. And I've watched where it would, seem, it, would be, it would seem like he's making a really poor decision. And it would seem like the obvious way to go is, ah, you shouldn't go that way. But then I watched God bless that decision, and I think God will take even our imperfections, even our bad decisions, when we make them the right way, God will bless those things that maybe shouldn't look like they won't even happen that way. And it, it truly is the way that God has designed for our marriages to line up. And, and I hope that you guys are seeing that, you know, we talked about building a foundation and building these pillars. And ask yourself the question, who is the one leading my marriage? Who is the one that makes the ultimate decision? You can't have a unanimous vote with two people. If, if, if one person agrees and one person disagrees, who's the tiebreaker? Who gets to make the decision? It should be where the wife says to the husband, just like Rebecca said to me, go seek the Lord. And whatever the Lord decides, whatever you come back with, I will be behind you on that. I, I will follow you on that. I will support you on that. Here's where it's important, men. We don't get to make the decision on our own. That's where you have to put in the time is in seeking the Lord in putting the effort of going before the Lord in word, in prayer, fasting, whatever. The bigger the decision, the more time you need to spend before the Lord on it. I mean, don't be afraid to, don't, don't just spend a 10-minute spend a, you know, prayer and go, all right, Lord, now what do I do? Oh, I, got, I don't have an answer. I guess, he, guess God isn't talking to me. I told you I come here for four days. I prayed for, I, I mean, I, if I was to add up the hours I prayed before, God, is this really what you want me to do? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? If I, added, I don't know what they would be, but they would be a lot of time before I finally got the answer that I needed. But I knew that God had the answer. I knew that God wanted to give me the answer. It was just my obligation to go before the Lord, and he would give it to me when he was ready to give it to me. In the meantime, I would prepare and do the things that he called me to do. So men, we need to be leading. Women, let your husbands lead. Even if it doesn't make sense, let them do it. God will work it out. God will work it out. And again, that's going to look different in everybody's marriage. Don't, don't try to make your marriage like our marriage. Don't, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different for everybody. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I want to ask a few questions. Men, are you leading your family? Are you the ones leading? If no, why not? If you're like me and you took the, if mama's happy, everything's happy, hopefully you'll see that that's not the way that it's supposed to be. There's an obligation that the easy way out is to just go, all right, whatever you want to do, honey. It's going to cost, it's, gonna, it's going to cost you a lot more to go before the Lord, but the, but the blessing will be much greater when you serve in his will. So men, are you leading your family? If no, why not? How are you leading? Where are you leading? And women, are you allowing your husbands to lead? Or are you just letting him step aside? Are you, are you trying to raise him up? Or are you just saying, well, I'll take care of him. He's not going to do it anyway, so somebody's got to do it. Well, what do I do, Rob? People have asked me, what do I do if he won't pay the bills? Let him not get paid. Let him be late. If that's his, if that's his, if, now it doesn't matter. I'm not saying men have to pay bills. That's, you work it out in your family however you do it. But if that's, just using that as an example, if that's his responsibility, he doesn't do it, let it, let it fall short. God will work it out. God, God, God might use that. So let's pray and see what the Lord would have us, have, have the Lord would say to us in this. Father, we thank you again. Lord, these scriptures are so hard to read and sometimes they're not even talked about in churches. But Lord, your, your order is clearly established in the scriptures. First Christ, then the man, then the woman. So Lord, would you just show us where we stand, where our marriage stands this morning in relation to that order? Are we in compliance or are we out of compliance? Is there areas that we could do better? Is there areas that we need to work on? As men, do we need to step up and lead? As women, do we need to allow or help our husband lead? 
Lord, would you show us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.